It's Tuesday, the 31st of August, 2021, the last day of winter. Welcome to Fear and Greed, the business podcast that sets you up for a successful day. I'm Sean Aylmer. Andrew Forrest banks a $4 billion dividend check as Fortescue Metals doubles its profit. That's our main story. Also coming up in today's podcast, another record day of COVID cases in New South Wales, but the news is better in Victoria and the ACT. Crown Resorts announces a huge loss and how pet funerals are helping Australia's largest undertaker. Then stay listening for my chat about investing in CFDs, an instrument that's come a long way over the past few years. But first, here's a brief look at markets. Wall Street hit yet another record high overnight as tech stocks surged, led by Apple, which is now worth more than 2.5 trillion US dollars. In early afternoon trading, the S&P 500 was up 0.6%, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was flat, and the Nasdaq had jumped 1.2%. European markets were also stronger, with London's FTSE 0.3% higher, and the stock's Europe 600 up 0.1%. The S&P ASX 200 closed up 0.2% to 7,505 points yesterday. The iron ore miners were the standouts after Fortescue's bumper profit, More of that shortly. Afterpay ended up 1.5% and both Aristocrat Leisure and Woolworths closed 1.2% higher. West Farmers was the worst performing large cap, down more than 3%, while Commonwealth Bank and ANZ were both off more than 1%. Oil prices were up overnight. The price of gold was half a percent lower. The Aussie dollar is trading around 73 US cents and sugar prices are trading at four and a half year highs, above 20 US dollars a pound, Brazil is the world's biggest producer of sugar, and it's in the middle of a drought. Australia's second richest person, Andrew Forrest, will receive $4 billion in dividends for the last financial year, thanks to soaring iron ore prices and a record profit from his company, Fortescue Metals. The miner announced a $10.3 billion profit for the last financial year, more than double its previous best in 2020 triggering a 6.6% jump in its share price. Mr Forrest owns 36% of the group, and he and associated companies took home $1.6 billion in dividends paid back in March, and will take home another $2.4 billion thanks to yesterday's result. The iron ore miners, Fortescue, BHP and Rio Tinto, have been the standout performers of the earnings season, which finishes today. All have paid out massive dividends after reporting huge profits. In total, the three have reported $65 billion in profits for the last financial year, double the level of the last mining boom. Last year threw up a unique set of circumstances for the miners. Demand from China was strong as the world's second largest economy emerged from the COVID slowdown. Prices were at record levels and the main competitor, Brazil's Vale, was having trouble supplying product. The other big winner locally was private iron ore miner Hancock Prospecting, which is owned by Australia's richest person, Gina Reinhart. As Dr Forrest has become richer, his horizons have broadened. The massive dividend will help finance philanthropic initiatives via his Mindaroo Foundation, new mining business ventures and clean energy projects. Developing renewable energy has become a major focus for Dr Forrest, and yesterday he called on the federal government to set a date for carbon neutrality. He also warned that his company would pull out of Afghanistan unless the new government of the country banned child marriage and other forms of slavery. A Fortescue subsidiary has a deal signed by the former Afghan government to help study hydropower and geothermal power in the country. You can never say Andrew Forrest isn't big picture. His worldview, particularly around renewable energy, is legendary. Mind you, 
Fortescue is currently one of Australia's biggest users of fossil fuel power. He now has an extra $4 billion to do his work. Good luck to him. In a moment, the rest of the news you need to know this morning. In overseas news, Hurricane Ida devastated New Orleans in the US over the past 24 hours. With residents told to stay indoors as fires burned out of control and more than one million homes and businesses were without power, the governor of the state of Louisiana expects a high death toll. The storm hit the city on the 16th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, the costliest cyclone in US history. The city's rebuilt storm levees are holding for now, but keep in mind it took a couple of days for them to break when Katrina hit, so the city isn't out of trouble yet. COVID-19 is surging in the US, primarily among unvaccinated citizens, and the country is averaging more than 100,000 hospitalised COVID-19 patients a day, higher than any previous surge. Deaths have risen to an average of 1,000 a day for the first time since March. As a result, the European Union is set to place new restrictions on non-essential travel from the country by unvaccinated people. Meanwhile, South African scientists overnight said they had identified a new coronavirus variant which was more transmissible and had an increased ability to evade antibodies. New Zealand has extended the lockdown of Auckland, its largest city, for another two weeks after recording its first coronavirus death. A woman became ill after taking the Pfizer vaccine, though other medical issues may have contributed, authorities said. The country recorded 53 community cases yesterday. And today is the deadline for withdrawal of US troops from Afghanistan, 20 years after entering the country. The US has scaled back its civilian evacuation mission as it scrambles to withdraw its troops. Locally, New South Wales recorded 1,290 cases of COVID yesterday, another record, and four more deaths. Premier Gladys Berejiklian warned October would be the state's worst month for the health system, and New South Wales Chief Health Officer Dr Kerry Chant said outbreaks in the West and Far West are hurting Indigenous communities disproportionately. In Victoria, the number of cases was 73. Health Minister Martin Foley said a lack of Pfizer vaccines was hindering the state and holding back businesses from reopening. While he said he didn't begrudge New South Wales getting extra Pfizer doses, it was time for a redistribution. The number of cases in the ACT fell again to 12, though an extension of the three-week lockdown is likely. The four deaths in New South Wales took the national toll beyond 1,000 since the beginning of the pandemic. There are currently 17,000 active cases and about 140 people across the nation in intensive care. Meanwhile, Australia administered nearly 2 million vaccine doses last week, taking the total to more than 19 million jabs. Almost 58% of adults have had one jab and 34% are fully vaccinated, with New South Wales and ACT leading the way. Prime Minister Scott Morrison said hesitancy over the AstraZeneca vaccine had been overcome, helping boost the vaccination rates. He also said lockdowns needed to end, saying they were taking a terrible toll on the country. His comments came as a survey says that Australians are more worried about job losses and their mental health than they are about a large breakout of COVID-19. The YouGov survey commissioned by News Corp Australia shows a changing attitude towards lockdowns, with people wanting schools to remain open. Two-thirds of respondents thought vaccinations were the way back to normal life, and only 22% thought lockdowns were needed until the number of COVID cases reaches zero. Virgin Australia has followed the lead of Qantas in making COVID-19 jabs mandatory for all frontline staff from mid-November. 
Office-based workers will have to be inoculated by the middle of March. Chief Executive Jane Herdlicker said it was the only way back to normal freedom of movement. She said the country was making good progress on vaccinations and she hoped domestic borders would be reopened by December and international borders shortly thereafter. And BHP said it will trial on-site coronavirus vaccinations at a New South Wales coal mine. Crown Resorts posted a $262 million loss last financial year thanks to rolling lockdowns and higher costs around restructuring the group. Crown has had a horror 12 months, fronting major inquiries in New South Wales, Victoria and Western Australia, as well as having to close facilities because of COVID. Total revenue was down more than 30% for the year. Crown now faces the possibility of losing or having its licences suspended, or in the case of Sydney, delayed. Incoming Chief Executive Steve McCann yesterday put a brave face on, saying the gaming giant needed to be best practice and was on a journey to get there. He said the company had taken a massive step forward, maybe, but there's a long way to go. Spring selling season starts this weekend for the property market. Normally, that's the busiest time of the year for real estate agents. But auction listings in Sydney are down 29% on last year, according to SQM Research. In Melbourne, there are 12 times as many listings as last year, mostly because that city was in hard lockdown 12 months ago. Gross operating profits for businesses rose more than 7% during the June quarter, with wages and salaries up 2%. There have been some changes to this measure from the Bureau of Statistics, so it's a bit hard to read too much into the very strong number. At least it will contribute positively to the final June quarter economic growth data due for release tomorrow. In other economic news from the Bureau, mineral exploration surged during the June quarter to a record level, with gold accounting for the biggest chunk of the increase. As I mentioned in the main story, earnings season ends today. It's been a very unusual season. Profits for many companies have been big, very big, but many CEOs have been cautious about the outlook for their companies because of the COVID outbreak at the moment. The outlook for earnings growth during the current financial year has been revised lower, and that's kept the share market under 7,500 points or thereabouts, while other global markets keep hitting record levels. The other challenge that kept coming up during the season is a fear of inflation. Border closures, supply chain problems, and a lack of staff in some regions are pushing costs higher, and management's worried about it. A few of the smaller retailers reported yesterday, Temple and Webster said it made record revenue and profit, with strong tailwinds still behind the business, both lockdowns and the positive experience of shopping online has helped the retailer. Its share price jumped more than 10%. Adore Beauty outperformed expectations helped by the shift to online shopping. Its share price jumped 3.3%. Analytics software group Nui made a loss last financial year, triggering a 10.5% fall in its share price yesterday. It was a tough day for the group, which listed last December, peaked early in the year at more than $11, and closed yesterday at less than a quarter of that price. Macquarie Bank and ex-executives of Nui were reportedly preparing to sell up to $340 million worth of stock yesterday afternoon. The group is also facing an ASIC investigation into the financial statements it issued ahead of its IPO last year. And Australia's biggest funeral company, Invocare, announced a strong bounce back in profit for the six months to the end of June. But since then, lockdowns have again hit revenue. The owner of White Lady Funerals and Simplicity Funerals makes much of its money on wakes as well as services, and restrictions have hurt earnings. One bright, albeit somewhat quirky, spot for Invocare is the success of its recently acquired pet cremators in New South Wales, Victoria and Western Australia. 
Invercare's share price jumped more than 8% yesterday, the best on the bourse. Up next is the daily interview, and today I'm getting a lesson on an area of investing we haven't talked much about. CFD stands for Contract for Difference, and it essentially involves speculating on the rise or fall of markets, commodities, currencies, that type of thing. It seems like more and more people are getting involved, so I thought it was time to get a 101 on CFDs, everything an investor needs to know about derivatives, leverage, and more. That's my chat with Adam Smith, CEO of Saxo Markets Australia, up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. It's Tuesday, the 31st of August, 2021. Thank God winter's over. I'm Sean Elmer, and that was Fear and Greed. Enjoy your day.